Well, if you have your Bibles, let's uh, turn to the letter of 1 Peter. However you get your Bibles, whether that's uh, through an app or through electronic means on a tablet or a Kindle, or whether you do paper uh, version, a book. If you don't have a Bible, we want you to have one. There's one in the seat back in front of you, and that Bible is your gift. Take it home with you. Uh, read it and continue just to stay in First Peter and uh, and come back with your questions. I, I love that. Want that to to be a part of the fabric of our community. And so go ahead and turn to First Peter chapter one, and we're going to begin right at the beginning. A very good place to start. And um, I was originally we were going to go in about nine verses, and I realized when we got to verse two that if I went to to nine, I was going to try and cram two sermons into one, and you guys would probably like to go home and cook your chili for the Super Bowl tonight. So this is part one. Next week will be part two. Come back and you'll hear part two. But there are some great things right in these first couple of verses that I hope will give us hope today and as we move through the rest of our week. So hear the word of the Lord this morning from First Peter chapter 1. Just two short verses. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatea, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. This is the Word of God for the people of God, and our response is, thanks be to God. Well, how about you? Do you need some hope? I think we can all use a little hope, can't we? I mean, the most obvious one, let's just say it, you know, here it is, the Super Bowl is... Uh, some, some of you are really hoping, so let's find out. I know it's none of our local teams, but uh, we can keep hoping for the Lions, right? So someday, someday. Uh, so how many of you are rooting for the 49ers tonight? You have hope in the 49ers? Just a few. All right. How many of you are Chief Nation? Alright, lots of Chief fans here. That's, uh, that's good. See, you can just wear red and you'll be covered, right? Just, just, you go Lions. There you go. That, that's what I call hope right there. One thing I'm extremely grateful is we don't have to deal with the living nope this year. And so, sorry Colin, just had to get that one in there for you. I know he's from Michigan, but uh, he'll retire soon and we can all go back to being Lions fans, alright? But some of us need some real hope today. Some of you are beginning to lose hope because of the situations in your life. Some of you are beginning to lose hope because things are going not the way you want them to at your job or in your marriage or with your family. You need some hope. And this series is going to take us through this epistle that Peter was longing to give these little churches scattered throughout. He wanted them to have some hope. And so he begins his letter, I I don't know if you caught how hopeful this is, 
But he wanted to encourage them. He said, because hope is going to come as you remember something. And so he starts right at the beginning. He wants them to remember who they are. Look at uh, chapter 1, verse 1. He says, of course, Peter, an apostle, he wants to tell them who he is, an apostle of Jesus Christ. But then he wants to tell them who they are. God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces. And he lists all those provinces. I won't go through them again. Now, I know in our scriptures, it says to God's elect, comma, exiles. In the original Greek, there is no comma. And I think that was intentional on Peter's part. He wanted not to just say God's elect, comma, scattered throughout, as if he was speaking only to the Jewish members of this congregation, but he was saying to God's elect exiles that are scattered throughout. That it was the whole of the church, Jew and Gentile. In fact, I believe that Peter was using intentionally the language of the Hebrew Bible that was used to describe Israel to also include non-Jews. So if you're not Jewish here today, this should make you excited. Because of what Jesus has done, we now get to be called God's Elect exiles. The word exiles, a fancy word, just means foreigner. God's elect foreigners. God's chosen foreigners. We who were not a part of that original covenant, we get grafted in. We get to be a part of what God was trying to do through Israel and to bless the nations. And we are those blessed nations who now get to be a part of this. You see, the ancient, uh, this, this may not seem like good news to you, but the ancient attitudes about Gentiles or non-Jews were pretty hostile. I read quite a few of them. In fact, one of them said, just like every good snake in a garden should have its head crushed, so eventually even every good Gentile should be done away with. So Peter wants to remind them this, this election now, this chosenness is for everybody. We all get to get in on this. That it doesn't matter where you're from, what nation or tribe you were born into, God has chosen you. And that means you today. Here in the 21st century, in the United States of America, God is still choosing people like you and like me to get in on what He wants to do in the world. Did you need to hear that today? Have you come in wondering, what's my place? I don't understand this whole thing. What, what? I, if we could boil it all down, I want you to know that God has chosen you. You may think you're unworthy. You may think that that uh, you've done too much. That that God, no one would want to choose you. Maybe you just feel like you're back in that line for kickball, and you're waiting for the captains to choose, and no one has chosen you, and the the line is getting smaller and smaller. But I want you to know that God has chosen you, and He knows some things about you. And now I'm getting ahead of myself. But I want you to know that God, if you have any doubt, I want you to know that God has chosen you today. He goes on. 
Because He wants them also to remember what their purpose is. And this is verse 2. And verse 2 is so full that I said, well, this is just the sermon's got to stop here. (laughs) So let's dive in. Verse 2 reads, "...who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood, grace and peace be yours." in abundance. Let's let's break this down a little bit and of course you know you're going to get your Greek lesson this week. Foreknowledge. It is the word prognosin. Do you want to say that with me? Prognosin. Ready? One, two, three. Prognosin. Hey, that's pretty good. You guys are getting it's kind of rolling off the tongue now. Let's try that one more time. One, two, three. Prognosin. It does mean Foreknowledge, pro, for, like I'm for something. Gnosis means knowledge. Now, this does not mean just that God like looks into a crystal ball and kind of knew everything in advance. Or that, you know, that it's, this is not necessarily connected to God's omniscience. That wouldn't really be connected until John Calvin did that in the 1500s. The Bible understands God's foreknowledge as referring to God setting His affection upon people before the world was made. God intimately chose and knows all people just as a husband or a wife chooses and knows their spouse. You see, that that understanding, gnosis, that knowledge, we think it's, oh, up here, I know what's going to happen. But in the Hebrew Bible, yada, to know. And Peter, using a Hebrew idiom with Greek language, wants those ones who are beginning to struggle and suffer throughout what is now Turkey. He wants those little churches to know that they were chosen because God knew from the beginning. Not knew about them, but intimately knew them. Like a husband knows a wife. Like a wife knows a husband. And He loved them deeply from the foundations of the world. God's heart has always been towards human beings. And so He wanted them to know, not only are you the elect foreigners, You've been grafted in. You get in on this. But you were chosen out of God's great love from the beginning, the foundations of the world. God has been moving towards you. Prognosis. Prognosin. Prognosin. Moving towards you. Now, he goes on and says, you were chosen, but there was some something that's happening in the chosenness. And that is the word hagiasmo. I know it doesn't look like there's an H in there, but that little mark there means we do a little kind of thing at the beginning. Hagiasmo. Are you ready to say that with me? Ready? One, two, three. Hagiasmo. We'll say it one more time. One, two, three. Hagiasmo. It is the word for sanctification. That's a big religious word. Sometimes it scares us. We throw it around a lot in the Church of the Nazarene. But let me break it down for you a little bit. Sanctification is your whole life. And I tried to throw in everything that I could think of that makes up our human lives. Your mind, your body, your soul, your mind, your strength, your hopes, your dreams, your past, your present, your future, all of that. 
yielded to God. Yielded to God. And in that yielding to God, the Holy Spirit does some cleansing of your body and your soul and your mind and your strength and your hopes and your dreams and your past and your present and gives you a future. The Holy Spirit does the cleansing and we are made ready for whatever He asks of us. Have you thought about that? Your life, your life that you have, your little life, your hopes, your dreams... Have you taken a moment or time in your life to yield all of that to God? That's not an easy thing to do. That can be really scary because what if God asks you to do something that you feel you're not up to the challenge? Well then, that's where you give your hopes and your dreams and you allow Him to begin to give you a future. You begin to place your trust in Him that He is able to cleanse and help you. That that same Spirit that is doing the cleansing work will also be the same thing that energizes what He is calling you to and provide the way for it to happen. Sanctification is not just a moment at an altar. It is a lifestyle. It is something that is ongoing as we yield day by day as God reveals where we need to go. We say yes. And we trust in the One who chose us out of His foreknowledge of love from the foundation of the world that He is for us, that He has chosen me, and He will see me through whatever He calls me to. That is sanctification. I have a new clicker. I think I went, went back a few slides. That is sanctification. But he goes on. He says, for whatever, whatever he calls us to. So it makes sense that the next word of our purpose would be the word. Let's see if I can get it right. Hupakoein. Are you ready to say that? Hupa Koen. Ready? One, two, three. Hupa Koen. Yes, you did that very well. Ready? One, two, three. Hupa Koen. And it is that word that in our modern day we don't like to hear a lot about. It's the word obedience. And there's, a, I think, a reason why it starts with God's loving humanity from the foundation of the earth. And choosing them, including those outside, to be brought in. And then cleansing in that sanctifying work of all of your life, that then you are ready for obedience. Because you begin to realize that it is obedience to Jesus. It is obedience to the One who so loved you that He gave of Himself. And He did not regard equality with God as something to be used for His own benefit, but He emptied Himself. And He lived among us. And He went to those who you weren't supposed to go to. He touched those that you weren't supposed to touch. He ate with those that you weren't supposed to eat with to show that God's heart is for the outsider. And He loved and He loved and He gave and He gave. And Paul would write in Philippians that in obedience He would give His life, even death, death on a cross. This is the One who we are called to be obedient to. And what are His commands? To love the Lord your God with all of your life and your neighbor as yourself and to love 
one another in the body of Christ. This is the obedience that we are called to. Let me see if I can put this in an illustration. The illustration of remaking a car. Where are my car, guys? Nobody? Oh, okay, there's a, there's a couple. Okay, good, good, good. Redoing a car. Now, or girls, I'm sorry, car girls. Sorry, I didn't mean, yeah, that's right, car girls. Any car girls out there? Good, alright, good. Now, this was back when you could actually work on a car, and you didn't need an engineering degree to change a light bulb. But the car on, on this side, on your left, through its use, maybe some of its misuse, through its being left out in the cold, in the driving in the salt of Michigan during the during the winter months, the long winter months. We're just now to February. It's crazy. This car has broken down, and there's rust that's beginning to get in the inside places and underneath and begins to destroy the car from the inside out. Who knows when the last time the oil was changed and and it begins to break down the motor and those kinds of things. But someone sees it and has some foreknowledge, some love of what that car could be and do. And it takes some hard work. Because that car will have to surrender each and every one of its parts. If you've seen any of those shows where they redo it, I mean, they don't just like put a new paint job on the outside. No, I mean, it's breaking down every panel. It's pulling every nut and bolt off of it. It's disassembling the engine right down so that all of it can be cleansed and cleaned out. And then it begins to be put back together one piece at a time. It begins to be sanded down. It begins to get rid of that rust. It begins to be renewed and re-oiled and put together so that what? So that that car will obey the driver. That when he grabs onto the wheel, it will move in the direction that the driver needs it to go. When he presses the gas pedal, it will go. When he presses or she presses the, the brake pedal, it will stop. This, I believe, gets us at what Peter is trying to tell us. That God has foreknowledge of you and you're much more precious than a car. And His Spirit will take every nut and bolt of your life and will cleanse it and put it back together so that when He takes the wheel, you know to go right when he says right and left when he says left and to gun it when he gives it gas and to brake when he says stop. This is the obedience that I'm talking about that I think Peter is trying to get us, get us towards. I hope that makes sense to you. There's one last verb and then we'll be done. And it is a... Uh, it's a weird word. I know that I know that looks like a P at the beginning, but that's a row in Greek. And it is uh Rontisman. It's fun to say. Ready? One, two, three. Rontisman. Alright. Sounds like a Pokemon character, but uh ready, we'll say it one more time. One, two, three, Rontisman. And it means sprinkled. Now this one you're gonna have to lean in, so if you've already fallen asleep, wake up. Because I don't want you to wake up and just feel weird. Like we've gone into some twilight zone. 
Because He says, all of this God has chosen you, the Spirit has sanctified you, so that you can be obedient to Jesus Christ, and you've been sprinkled with His blood. The blood of Jesus. And this is so bizarre for us to hear in our 21st, with our 21st century ears. We go to the butcher and let them do all that gross stuff so we can just get the, the less bloody meat and can put it on a grill or into a chili like I did this morning early. But I, so I want to explain this to you because Peter is again using a Hebrew metaphor to encourage, to bring hope. So, the blood or life of an animal, the, the blood equals the life of that animal. And in the ancient days, the Jewish people, whenever there was sin, they were trying to learn, and God was helping them to learn, how do human beings live in the presence of a holy God? And so, you know, human beings, we miss the point all the time. We miss the mark. We do wrong things. We become unclean. And so there would be need for sacrifice. Now this was a symbol This was, we would take the life of an animal and we would use that blood as a covering for the actions that we would do. But as you've seen up there, uh, I would would say that this, this idea of sprinkling covers the effects of secondary sin. Let me see if I can explain this to you. If I were to come over to Ray and while he wasn't looking, I stole his wallet. I've damaged him, right? I've taken whatever was his and I've made it mine and maybe he was needing to use that to pay a car payment or to to buy groceries, but now it's mine. And there's damage there. That would be a sin. But there's a secondary effect. Once Ray finds out, or maybe even if Ray doesn't find out, he is now all of a sudden nervous that somebody's out to get him. Or if he knows it's me, our relationship is damaged. You're not going to trust me as much. There's going to be some polluting of our relationship. And so, the priest in the Ancient of Days understood both of these things that would go on, that people commit stealing crimes, and that needs the blood to be covered. Symbolizes the covering. But sometimes the priest would then take some of that blood, which, which means what? What does blood symbolize? Life. And he would sprinkle it around the temple, around the neighborhoods, and sometimes, yes, I know this is gross to us, on to the people. Because God wasn't just concerned about what you've done, but He's also concerned about the effects that it has on the relationships between people, and God wanted that to be dealt with too. He wanted life to cleanse the damages that sin acts do between people. And so Peter says, look... God loves human beings and He's called you and He sent His Spirit to cleanse every part of your life so that you can be obedient. And God so loved you that He even wants to deal with those little secondary things that are ramifications of the things that have happened in your life. God loves you all the way down and will provide everything for you to find your way all the way home. That should be good news. So the question I think out of this idea is then, 
do you believe that you're forgiven? Or have you ever, like, I believe I'm forgiven. I've, I've made my way to an altar. I've said the prayer at kneeling by my bedside. I asked God to forgive me. And God forgave me. But you kind of still wonder where you stand in God's eyes after that? This is what Peter's getting at when he talks about sprinkling. It's like he's not just wanting to just cover over something so he doesn't have to see it. He wants to heal it all the way to the core. He wants to heal everything. And he wants to do that for you. Insider or outsider, that is what God has provided in Jesus Christ. So if you wonder where you stand with God today, even though you may know with your head that you've been forgiven, I want you to know that you have been chosen. And that's a plural world word. If we were down south, we'd say, y'all were chosen. Well, I want you to know that God has loved you, y'all, from before the beginning. God's heart has always been towards humanity. I want you to know that God has sent His Holy Spirit to cleanse every part of your life and to give you a purpose, which means that you will then know how to be obedient to Jesus who has given everything for you to know His deep cleansing love. And everything has been taken care of, including the secondary ramifications of the sins you may have committed. Do you see where there's a whole sermon in two verses? The question then begins. Oh, well, it, it then ends with this beautiful blessing that when this takes place, I think he's, he's saying to them, not just have a good day, or welcome, I'm glad you're here. But he's saying, when this process takes place, to live with Jesus is to have grace and peace is the word, but that is the word shalom, which means wholeness. To have everything you need set loose in your life. It's abundant. It comes over and over and over again as you continue to say yes to the One who has chosen you and given His Son for you and provided a way for your secondary sins and cleansed you to the deepest part and put you back together so you can say yes to Jesus. It's a beautiful, hopeful passage. So the question is, are you ready? Are you ready to say yes to your chosenness? Are you ready to let God take every part apart and cleanse and put back together so that you can live in obedience to the One who gave His life for you? Maybe today you want to enter into that relationship for the very first time. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. And today maybe it makes sense. In just a moment, I want you to come. And we want to pray with you and for you. Maybe for some of you, you know you're forgiven. But this idea of being sprinkled clean and Letting God cleanse and sanctify me every part. You've never given your whole life to Jesus. And maybe today is your time to come and say yes to the God who has chosen you. Are you ready? One thing I am absolutely confident of is that God is ready for you to do that. And so to that... I want to invite you today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And can we play that, O come to the altar?
I know it's noon right now. But I believe that Peter would want us to know that we are his chosen foreigners. We've been included. Because God so loved you from before the beginning of time. And He sent a Spirit that can take every part of you, cleanse it and put it back together. He can help you to live into the obedient love of Jesus. And He can even take care of the little secondary things as well. So if you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time or give Him all of your life today, then I invite you to get up from where you're sitting right now and come and kneel. One has already come. Would you come? Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Is God saying to you, you go, come on. It's an opportunity here for grace and wholeness to abound in your life, to expand in your life, to cleanse your life. Is that you? Would you come? Would you come right where you are? Some have come. What about you? Will you come? Are you saying yes, God, yes to you? Take everything apart. Cleanse it. Put it back together. Help me to be obedient. Would you come? We're going to sing that O come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. We're going to sing it one time. That's it. The Holy Spirit is speaking or He's not. And so if He's speaking to you, you come. But let's sing that. I'm going to ask those who would like to pray with those who are around to come and gather around, put a an hand on a shoulder. Let them pray, but let them know you're supporting them. Pray around them. Surround them. This is what we do as a community. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are so grateful for even just the opening paragraph that Peter sent to encourage churches that were beginning to experience a little bit of persecution so long ago. It is still powerful and effective to reach even us today. So we are grateful. We are grateful that You loved us. That You chose us. That You can sanctify us. Every part. And help us to live obedient to the One who gave everything for us. That You cleanse us of all sin and even the ramifications of sin you cleanse come and help us today for those who have said yes to you today whether they are saying I want Jesus this Jesus in my life now and they are asking for forgiveness meet them and let them know that they are forgiven or if they are surrendering all of their life to you may you receive it Let them know that through the power of Your Spirit, You will, moment by moment by moment, put them back together and cause them to be obedient to Your will. We pray these things, Father, through Christ our Lord, 
who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. I want those who are here to just continue to pray, but I'm going to bless the rest of you and I'm going to ask you to go reverently and quietly or to sit and continue to pray for those who have come and gathered. We want to, we want God to do the work that God needs to do today. Amen. So would you stand and receive the blessing? And now may you, my brothers and sisters, know that God so loved you before the beginning of the world. He has provided everything. His Son, His cleansing Spirit. I pray that you will experience the Spirit put your life back together one piece at a time. That you might say yes to Jesus every day. I pray you find joy. That you find grace and wholeness, peace, shalom every step of the way. Pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Go reverently, go quietly, go in His peace. Amen.